0: So biotech really has made a um, a commitment to the state of Vermont. You know, we do 100% of our engineering, our manufacturing, our back office uh, work here in Vermont, and then where we've expanded outside the state uh, is uh, sales, service, and support. So you need to provide that in local country to be successful in selling the product.
1: From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we are thrilled to feature Briar Alpert, president and CEO of Biotech Instruments, a leader in life sciences, and a family company that he's led for more than 30 years. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber
2: and Dave Bradbury
1: recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hey, Briar.
2: Briar's in the house. Hey, guys. We got him. So let's hit it, Sam. This is exciting. This is really we seldom get a, a hard sciences company in here.
1: Yeah, it's so far out of my element. I'm really looking forward to learning we, today. We've got
2: a reference card in case you start th- throwing some, some terms at us <laughs> because uh, we embarrass ourselves way too easily. So, Well, don't worry about that.
1: Well, yeah, let's then start with the not-so-obvious here. What is biotech? So uh, uh,
0: biotech is basically a life science tools company. So what that means is uh, we make precision instrumentation and software solutions uh, that are used in, in numerous applications, including uh, basic science research done at universities, into uh, you know looking for the mechanisms associated with things like heart disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cancer, and then you know once those mechanisms are discovered, our instrumentation is then used in biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies looking for cures and treatments to diseases. And then we have many other um, alternative uses for our equipment, such as food testing, or epidemiology, or clinical testing, or, or even looking for uh, new alternative energy sources. Wow! Wow!
1: So, so, how do you how do you focus and choose something? What, what? How do you choose your next product?
0: Yeah. So that's it's a it's a great question. You know, I I think for a long period in our evolution of the company, uh, when we were smaller and um, less well-funded, we adopted a strategy that I would call innovative fast follower. And so what I mean by that is we were never first to market. We were always second or third to market, uh, but with uh, a unique combination of features and value. And so what that allows you to do is kind of see what's working in the market and what's not working and then come to the market with a better combination of functionality. Now, as the company has has grown and gotten stronger, we've really uh, changed our strategy to being one of a leader. And so to be a leader now, that requires significantly more investment in, uh, in science, in applications, in understanding what the customer wants to do so that you can articulate in your mind uh, what that product is before the customer knows that they need it.
1: Right.
2: You must be at a stage in the company, Briar, where you're listening to your customers a lot more actively and globally. So that, does that de-risk sort of these little strategic bets you make around new product or new solutions versus early days? You're like, gosh, you'd hate to bet all the, all the chips on one product that you were hopeful someone would buy.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a point well taken. Uh, we enjoy a lot more diversification than than we did when we were smaller. And that diversification takes many forms. So we have a number of different product lines that we sell into a number of different markets that we sell into a number of different geographies. And so the effect is similar to a stock portfolio. And so whereas you may see... Uh, business is down in Europe one year, it's up in China the next. Or maybe academic funding is down one year, but pharmaceutical spending is up. And so at the highest level, it makes for a much smoother and predictable you know, revenue and profitability. But down in the details, there's tremendous volatility. Uh, but because of this diversification, uh, we're able to uh, manage our business in, in, a, in a very predictable manner.
2: Was that a conscious choice to get diversification? Was there a period of time that the company was just like, holy crap, uh, the world's changing, we're not responding rapidly enough? Or did it just organically develop?
0: You know, I think there's certainly been points in our history where we've suffered from a lack of diversification. You know, we've had, um, you know, major OEM customers. You know, we used to make a... uh, uh, a device that, that tested um, uh, uh, pacemakers and it was a, a big contract uh, and one day the company called us and said we're gonna cancel the contract and so that represented 30 or 40 percent of our business and when that kind of a, a reduction in, in your plan occurs rapidly uh, you're forced to take you know very dramatic unpleasant Actions to right size the business, and so I think it, it it's a lesson that that you learn it's very hard to to walk away from these big opportunities, uh, but you know you really work to manage your business so that no one customer one segment represents such a large portion of your business that uh, you know it, it fundamentally can change the structure of your business if you end up uh, losing that
2: gotcha so i Backtrack a bit. Biotech's a family affair. Uh, your, your father, Norm, right, started this That's uh, correct. back uh, at UVM days, I think. But just carry that through. And you and your brother are, are in the business. Um, was this sort of like the mafia? You had to go into it? Or was this, was this, do you have choices? Uh, how did you How did you personally decide to get involved in, in the family business?
0: Right, good. Yeah, that's good Good history. So, yes, uh, biotech's second-generation, family-owned, family-run business. It was started by uh, my father, Norm Alpert, who was a professor and chairman of the physiology biophysics department at the University of Ron, and a, and a good friend of his, George Lure, who was... Um, Uh, in charge of the model making facility at the University of Vermont and so you combined uh, a a scientist and an engineer and that turned out to be a very uh, powerful combination you know one was an optimist one was a pessimist and and in fact that that Paul is is very helpful uh, in in reviewing uh, potential opportunities and so the business, which started 50 years ago, um, you know, was always there in the background, uh, but it was never expected or required that uh, uh, myself or my brother would enter into the business. It was available, uh, but my father had a view that you really should pursue your passion, do what you enjoy, uh, and even if one day you want to join the business, it'd be valuable for you to go and work in some other places. Good advice. Yeah, I think it was good advice. Uh, You know, so while I was free, I think, to do anything that that I wanted to do, it it ended up that, uh, you know, I really did want to go into the business and that the opportunities that uh, owning a business provided uh, were were just so much significantly greater uh, than uh, pursuing a career independent of that.
1: Totally. And so like you said, it's biotech celebrating its 50th anniversary, which is crazy. Does that, is that hard for you to wrap your head around or like, I mean, it's been around forever for you, but I mean, I just can't imagine that coming up. And this... It's
2: tough to find 50 year old science companies yeah. because of the pace of change or private equity or some other company comes in and buys it. So Yeah. Why are you still here at 50 years old?
0: I mean, it, it is a rarity. We were just at a, a, a big trade show out in San Diego, and you can't find a life science company that has the same name or same ownership that's been around for more than 10 or 15 years. And it, it's, it's a driver of a couple of things. You know, One is many life science companies fail to succeed. Uh, But those that succeed are often acquired either by private equity or by um, a strategic partner. And so there's been tremendous consolidation in our industry. And, you know, biotech uh, remains, you know, one of the very few large privately owned life, life science companies in the world. And so when we look at our competitors today, you know, we're really competing against divisions of these global public multi-billion dollar companies now now we happen to think that's a competitive advantage you know that private companies you know move in a way that's much faster you know we have a vision that's much more long-term you know we're not focused on quarterly profits we're more focused on you know what's in the best long-term interest of uh, of our customers and our employees, and in fact, when you do that, there's actually complete alignment with what's in the best long-term interest of our stockholders. So, you know, we don't see uh, any conflict between aligning those three things, and sometimes our uh, public company competitors, uh, you know, don't see that alignment. But, but yes, I can't believe it. 50 years, I've been at the company, you know, more than half of my life, um, You know, I I say it like it's an unusual story, but if you look at the people who have chosen to make a career at biotech, uh, you know, 20% of our employees have been with the company for over 20 years. Um, You know, the average tenure of our employees is over 10 years. And, you know, we've hired 150 people in the last three years. And so even with that...
2: 150 people? What's your total employment globally now?
0: uh, So right now we have 475 people. Of which 300 are in Vermont.
2: Oh, you got to get to 500. Like 550 years, just seems like it's the <laughs> right thing.
0: You know, I, I based on our plan, we will hit that number in our in our 50th year. You know, so so Biotech really has made a um, a commitment to the state of Vermont. You know, we do 100 percent of our engineering, our manufacturing, our back office uh, work here in Vermont, and then where we've expanded outside the state. Uh, is uh, sales, service, and support. So you need to provide that in local country uh, in order to uh, to be successful in selling the pro- products. And so we we like the motto, you know, we we really export products, not jobs.
1: Awesome. And how has that transition been? Like from when you were just strictly a Vermont company to when you expanded globally? Can you talk a little bit about that transition? Yeah, I'd be happy
0: to. Um, so, while we we like to say within our category we dominate within the state of Vermont, um, the state of Vermont represents less than one tenth of one percent of our business. So it's just not practical for biotech, uh, you know, to focus uh, on the Vermont business. You know, we started uh, really with the United States. Uh, you know, that's where we were most comfortable. Um, and you know, really built out a distribution network starting with distributors and then migrating uh, to direct sales um, presence. And the United States is the biggest market in the world representing about half of uh, of the entire world market. But it's only half. And so if if you want to achieve you know real scale, you have to go and access these markets around the world. And part of our, strategic plan that we put together uh, probably back in 2008 was we wanted to have a direct presence in the top 10 countries in the world. And at that time, uh, we were direct in maybe three or four of them. So it was one of the key legs of our strategy um, was to go and uh, establish subsidiaries in these countries. And while we had them sort of prioritized by uh, sales opportunity, uh, we actually implemented them in the order uh, that we found uh, the right leader uh, to lead the country. A talent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the talent, the individual really drove the sequence, but we did get there over a course of about a five, six year period.
2: And, and did you partner into these countries or did you just, were these biotech employees that Because I think we had Logic Supply was in here, and Lisa Lisa was talking about sort of their, you know, their success and their missteps. Right. So were they employees that you hired initially at the outset, or did you, you know, sort of sign a deal with a joint venture partner to learn the market a bit?
0: You know, I think we we tried all models. Uh, So, for example, in Switzerland, uh, we had a major distributor and we ended up purchasing that distributor. So that distributor, they all became biotech employees. It was a very nice transition for, for all uh, parties. And we really hit the ground running immediately, uh, just rebranding the distributor as, as a biotech subsidiary. In uh, the majority of the other countries, we, as I said, we found the leader that we thought was... Um, uh, able to, to run the business uh, independently uh, that operated consistent with our culture and core values that we trusted and then we really relied on that leader to build out the organization you know so what, one of the key components of our of our culture is the delegation of, of real authority and responsibility so this is uh, you need to find individuals that are comfortable, that can, that really want that shoulder authority, that and will shoulder the responsibility. And then we provide guidance and support relative to you know things like accounting and and inventory control and, and product launches. But we're counting on that individual in country uh, to really uh, provide the leadership, uh, do the hiring, maintain the culture consistent with. Uh, with with the way we run the company uh, and and drive the business forward and we will support them you know with resources with advice uh, but but they have to own it
1: right that's awesome and so those you said are mostly sales and sort of service folks Um, can you talk a little bit about the employee breakdown here in vermont you know whether it's hardware engineers versus software engineers scientists like what does the breakdown look like today
0: sure uh, so the biggest department in in biotech Vermont is our manufacturing group
1: mm.
0: We are a vertically consolidated company and so what that means is we really manage the process from the conceptualization of the product to the to the development the release to manufacturing the manufacturing the launch into the marketplace then the sales service and support so in Vermont we do the Conceptualization and uh, the development, and so these would be marketing and sales uh, and uh, application scientists. You know, the scientists would often have masters or PhDs in things like uh, molecular diagnostics. We've got those. We've got those here at our VSET staff. Yeah, <laughs> right, Sam. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah,
1: totally. It's just so, a hobby, but
0: so these are really sci- scientists that, that understand the science and can help. Uh, help us decide how we want to direct our R&D resources. You know, once the product's developed, you release it into our manufacturing team. And so these would be people who do assembly, calibration, quality control, inventory control, machine shop, uh, purchasing, production control. Um, And these people, you know, range from, uh, you know, people just with very good mechanical electrical uh, assembly uh, capabilities to people with technician degrees, uh, you know, to people with uh, advanced degrees in, in logistics and procurement and management.
1: How are you finding all these smart people?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so it's getting harder. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, our, our, our growth has been accelerating in the past years. Uh, for a long time we were very able and capable of hiring people within the state of Vermont now you know unfortunately it's often from other companies Uh, and so something about the value proposition we offer and the benefits and uh, being part of what we're doing was very attractive to people and we were able to um, we were able to attract uh, people readily uh, but in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, it's getting harder. It's taking longer, uh, and and we're we're trying to get more creative. And so, particularly in assembly, where we're growing rapidly, uh, you know, we're looking to maybe some non-traditional sources, like people who have experience in automotive, mm. uh, people who have ex- worked on a
2: farm. Dear God, it's tough enough to get my car serviced. Don't take my mechanic, <laughs> brier. <laughs>
0: You know, we we, we find, the, you know, the Vermont worker uh, uh, to be an amazing uh, a contributor. And I'd put the Vermont worker up against anybody anywhere in the world in terms of productivity and ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the key is to provide an environment that unleashes that power. You know, where, uh, you know, we want to bring people in not only to do the work, but to be... Um, Thinking about how we go about doing the work, you know, we strongly believe that the person closest to the, where the work's being performed is often best positioned to define how that work gets done. Mm. So it's not just about doing the work. It's about helping us uh, do the work more productive more uh, creatively
1: and not just doing it a certain way because that's the way it's been done but by thinking about things in new ways I, I,
0: exactly and, and that's a, a, a philosophy that takes time uh, in, in an organization you know I think one of the things that um, you know a paradigm that you need to address is uh, there can be a mentality that says well if I'm twice as efficient you will only need half as many people to do this and so in fact uh, you're going to let half of us go. But, but that paradigm's exactly wrong. Uh, in fact, if you're more efficient, if you're more productive, well, one, we can pay you more money. Uh, two, uh, we're going to be more successful in the marketplace. We're going to sell more products. And in fact, we're going to need to hire more people. And, and that's the fact pattern that's occurred at biotech over the last 20 years and that's a trust that's been built over the last 20 years. And so people, you know, in their gut get it, that by improving productivity, uh, it's a rising tide that raises all, right. all ships. Not
2: a threat. So over 50 years, um, you may not even have an example of the F word, but any, any failures that you could share that were these sort of come-to-Jesus kind of moments? For you as a leader, or for the company, that might help uh, some of our listeners on their journey.
0: Sure. Um, yes, we, we've had many failures at Biotech. You, you could even call them some near-death experiences. <laughs> you know, under my leadership, that we explored almost to the very end. Um, you know, I think the 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 largest uh, was an acquisition we did of a European company. Um, this follows two successful acquisitions we did that were were very successful and and confidence-building. And we bought a portion of a European company that had manufacturing in Italy, uh, distribution in five European countries. And from our perspective, this was going to be transformational. It was going to allow us to take the products we make in the United States and plug them into the European distribution system. It was going to allow us to take the, the products made in the Italian company and plug them into uh, the U.S. distribution system we had, and we thought this would really bring us to the next level. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, on, on, <laughs> on paper, you know, we, we were going to be uh, tremendously successful, and we kind of had an opinion that um, you know, based on our success in the past – you know we'll just do it again, but at a bigger scale. And we did it at a time when it was easy to borrow a lot of money. Banks were uh, pleased to lend at high debt to EBITDA levels. Um, and so we did the transaction. We had a great dinner uh, and then we um, we started running the business. And what we found was um, we were in a market we we didn't understand it was a brand new technology. We were only getting business that the big companies didn't want, so this was unprofitable business. Um, Italy is an amazing place for food, uh, but but not the best place to have a manufacturing operation. Um, we had quality problems. Um, the cultures were incompatible. You know, I talked about this delegation of authority and responsibility. And the culture of the company we acquired was one where one leader sat on the top and told everybody what to do. It was uh, autocratic, very kind of auto- autocratic. And even though we told people over and over again, uh, you know, no, no, we want you to make the decision. We want you to be responsible. We couldn't get that cultural change. Um, then on top of that, the 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 employment laws in the European countries are different from the United States. And we probably took too many people, you know, in the transaction more than the business could afford. And it is so expensive to reduce the employment base uh, that it became prohibitive. And whereas I think we could have had a successful business uh, with say 150 people, we couldn't make it go work with 200 people, and there was no path to reduce. The 50 people in the organization. At the same time, the credit markets dried up. Uh, the banks got very uncomfortable. We started missing uh, financial covenants. Uh, we we went into something that's called workout, which is yep. is not where you want to be. Uh, you know, the banks are really forced to take steps that ensure that they uh, they are repaid. Those aren't often in the best interest of, of the company. And we found ourselves. You know, uh, 30 years into the company, uh, at a point where fundamentally everything was at risk. You know, we were in danger of losing the entire company because of this acquisition. So, um, you know, after struggling, you know, for four or five years with it, we we ended up closing that business down, and we were in such financial distress that we ended up selling one of the divisions of the company. Now a very painful uh, period in the history of the company, but if you were to look at it over the, the 50-year history, it really was an inflection point for the company. You know, for the first time, uh, with that sale of the division, uh, we had fixed our capital structure, you know, delevered our balance sheet, focused all of our management attention on, on one line of business, and during this crisis... Uh, the senior leadership had to step up to address the crisis and the middle management stepped up and started running the business on a day-to-day basis. And to the credit of the senior management, when the crisis was over, they didn't go back down running the business. The, The middle management continued to run the business, allowing the senior management, maybe for the first time, to think much more strategically and look about, look at where do we want to go as a company, what do we need, how do we transition from this fast follower to a leader, and it really was an inflection point in the success of the organization. So from the biggest failure in the history of the company, uh, we rose up stronger than we ever were, and that foundation is what, what really has led to the success
2: we have today. Wow. Can you can you eat Italian food and not think of this <laughs> experience? It's sort of like a reaction. Yeah, was it worth right? that celebratory dinner? We, we had
0: a wonderful uh, restaurant in mm. our company in Italy. Uh, one of the employment laws is you have to provide lunch to everybody. And, and the food was outstanding. You know, the products we made.
1: So it wasn't all bad.
0: It wasn't all bad. <laughs> it, the food is great and the people that were, were great uh, but uh, we weren't able to make a go of it with an manu- Italian manufacturing and, company.
2: And, and it's funny because you said uh, uh, prior to our start that food is very much part of your employees' culture. We actually had to reschedule this podcast because uh, Breyer had to judge the the annual chili contest, which is the best excuse Yeah, it's the ever only one heard. we would have taken, for sure. <laughs> it was immediate no problem, so... Um, I love the team element. I mean, it just sort of that family feel it, it, uh, that you've built the culture um, at, your, at your company. Um,
1: it, it also, I, I was just thinking about what you were just saying about sort of your middle management stepping up, and um, it just shows that you have the right people. You know, when, when they face a challenge like that and step up, it, it must be really gratifying. You know, I,
0: I think for an employee there is nothing more exciting than, than following your own ideas. I mean, you do it with a, with a higher level of passion uh, than if you're doing something that you're being told to do. And so I think we work very hard to, to create that environment where uh, ideas compete with each other, uh, but then the best ideas are followed independent of the source. And, and, and that's, that's, that's a powerful environment to create. And it serves as a strong lifeline for me in my decision making. You know, we have hundreds of people in the company who are very comfortable coming into my office and telling me when they think I've made a mistake. And you know, I, awesome. I don't always agree with them. Uh, but oftentimes I do. And, and it is powerful for people to know that leadership will change their mind when presented with, with new facts and information.
2: Um, you uh, are on the University of Vermont trustees, uh, why?
0: Uh, well, so my, my, my roots into UVM are, are deep and many. You know, my undergraduate and graduate degrees are from UVM, my, my father I was a professor there. You know, biotech really was a a technology transfer that came out of the University of Vermont. And, you know, I think sometimes the university doesn't get the credit that it's due relative to the economic impact that it has. You know, you think about it, you know, biotech has exported over a billion dollars worth of products out of the state of Vermont. You know, it took us about 45 years to do that, but we'll export the second billion dollars worth of products in about seven years. And then the third billion dollars worth of products in three or four years if we continue to grow at our rate. And so you think about that, you know, biotech would not be here, but if not for the University of Vermont being here. So my family came here because the university offered my father a job, and that's why biotech ended up being here. So... I'm interested in it because of all those connections. UVM is, you know, it's a big and, and complex organization. It has a budget of six, seven hundred million dollars. You know, a thousand employees, uh, twelve thousand students. Uh, it is a, a nerve center for ideas and thought and exchange, uh, and, and just a, a very significant, important uh, component to uh, to Burlington and Vermont. I wanted to be part of that. And I also saw a board and an administration that uh, you know, wanted to make changes and wanted to make the university better and recognize this is a time where, uh, where, where, where students and parents are really looking at the value proposition of a four-year, right. uh, $200,000 education, and uh, people need to feel comfortable that they're going to get a good return on that investment, and that sounded like a fun project.
1: Totally.
2: Uh well thank you for doing. It. I think it's great to have a, an entrepreneur from Vermont uh at that that table. So
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: So Briar, looking back at your career so yes. far, what are you most proud of? What what makes you smile?
0: Uh well, so from a, a career perspective, I I take a lot of satisfaction in biotech and what we've accomplished. Um you know, there there are so many different aspects to the the pleasure and joy I get from biotech. You know, there's the one where we have created uh, not just jobs, but careers for, for people at the company. And I've seen people move from uh, uh, accounting clerks to customer sales reps, to middle management, to senior management over the tenure of their career. So that's very satisfying, you know, to, to provide a safe, stable environment where people can earn a good living uh, and, and really make a contribution to the success of an organization. Then on the other side of it, you know, we make really cool products that are doing amazing things in the world. You know, we're, it's not that we're doing the science. We're providing the tools to the scientists around the world to make the next great discovery, uh, that could cure cancer, that could, uh, you know, keep, keep the food supply safe, that, uh, you know, is being used to, uh, control epidemics around the world. And so every day there are things happening with our instruments to advance science, uh, so that we have a better understanding uh, of the world we live in and, and, uh, uh, the, the quality of life that we all enjoy amazing yeah
2: tools that matter right i love it
1: and, i love it and dave and i talk all the time about you know we're not just creating jobs in vermont we're creating careers and high-paying jobs that people can actually live a good life on you know it's it's important and that's why people live here um I, I just wanted to backtrack a little bit and ask you about your customer sure um Maybe just narrow down on one of your favorites or something you think is super cool right now.
0: Well, so there's a a brand new customer. It's a company called uh, Quinterix. They just went public, and they have a blood test uh, that checks for concussions. And so they have contracts with National Football League, National Hockey League, uh, and basically, I think we're all familiar with you know, uh, concussions. It's become a big issue in professional and uh, even college and high, high school sports. Yeah. And so right now, uh, you go into this concussion protocol, and then uh, you're monitored, and ultimately you go in and have an MRI. Uh, this company has a blood test uh, that checks for an enzyme that's produced when your brain has a, a, a concussion event. And so this Crazy. is it's fast, uh, it's less expensive, um, and you'd be able to uh, determine, you know, the, the, the magnitude of the concussion event or if there's not one. And so the goal, of course, is, you know, the safety of the player uh but in but it's also about uh takes you know, out let's, the
2: subjectivity gets
0: rid of it and, and right let's get the player back into the game if they're capable of getting back back into the game but let's protect them if, if they're not so that's that's one new customer doing something really cool and i tell you every week there's a new customer doing something really amazing
2: that's cool that's awesome brain food right? What a challenge. And it's actually kind of VSET, you know, we, we see a couple hundred folks here a year. And it, it literally that the rocket scientists walk in the door to put cube satellites into space to people doing things in agriculture. And it's, uh, it's fairly daunting. Um, I did want to recognize too, Briar Alpert is a founding board member at VSET. Woo! Yeah, boom.
1: Thanks, Briar. Hi. Um
2: you guys have accomplished what, a lot. What do we have over you that have kept you for this <laughs> long? I don't, I don't, I don't know where that file is, but thank you for that. And um, why, why do you again? You could spend your time anywhere: sailing, judging chili contests, solving <laughs> problems that matter. Um, what do you get out of VSET? Yeah. By, by donating your time and expertise. So, uh, when
0: I was originally asked to be on VSET. Um, the mission, as explained to me, was to help promote and create high-paying jobs in the state of Vermont, and I thought that was important to to the state. It was it was necessary, uh, and was perhaps the the best use of some of my extra extra free time. Uh, plus, it's fun and interesting. You know, you stay engaged with uh, new young entrepreneurs. Who are doing you know amazing different things and 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 uh, you know you you give but you also learn a- as you're doing it and so look I chose to make my home here in the state of Vermont and we've made you know no secret that you know the Alberts that biotech is is committed to to staying here and so I want to be part of the solution uh, towards uh, making Vermont uh, a more Prosperous, successful state, and I think creating high-paying jobs and a environmental or a, you know entrepreneurial ecosystem uh, is going to be a, a key component of doing that. And you know I think that, that you guys, Dave and Sam, are, are really doing extraordinary things. And if I was to reach out to the state of Vermont uh, and they were looking to um, you know get a good return on their investment. Uh, I would encourage them to increase their support of, of VSAT.
2: Thank you. Wow. Do we oh. have to disclose that fundraising uh, <laughs> pitch? But
1: we'll take, we'll take, what, we'll take what we can get. We'll take what we can get. Thank you.
2: We need to get to the, the final
1: oh, magic already? wand. I know. I'm going to have to trap you at the next board meeting because I have like so many more questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Briar, our final special question. Okay. If you were to change one thing about Vermont today, what would it be? I
0: can, cha- I can change anything. Magic anything. wand. Magic wand. Okay. Well, let's, let's pick a hard problem. Um,
1: you tend I, to do that, don't you? I, well, it's a magic <laughs> wand.
0: <laughs> I think I would clean up all the rivers and streams and lake. Um, wow. You know, it, it's fascinating to me. Uh, you know, we talk the talk in this state about uh, the environment. Uh, we certainly do it rel- relative to regulation of, of business and industry, and yet we allow uh, you know, the pollution of, of the rivers and streams and lakes, and uh, we haven't yet come up with a funding mechanism or a plan to really address the problem, and. You know, the 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 environment is such an asset for this state and, and such an important part of the economy uh that you know I think it is a mistake not to aggressively um address this issue.
1: We gotta walk the walk. Gotta walk, walk the walk to
2: walk. The- is a great one to uh, wrap it up on.
1: That's a new one, I think. It is a new one. We've had In-N-Out
2: burgers, a diversity of people, you know, mm-hmm. um, has been one. And, uh, red uh, pandas, red Gregory pandas, d- uh, poverty, opiates, uh, things like that. So um, that was a good one. And that one was addressable.
0: Yeah. You
2: know, I, I, I think, yeah.
1: It's probably going to take longer than the magic wand, but...
2: Yeah, yeah, or the red pandas, right. uh, introducing them. So <laughs> I, I know our legislature
0: is working on it, and yeah. I think we should all support them and keep an eye
2: on that. Agree. Was it trust but verify? What was that? <laughs> 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 okay. This has been the Start Here podcast with Sam and Dave. Uh, we're sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council Consolidated Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VCET. That's VSET. Thanks for listening and let's get back to work.